Welcome to Healthcare Experience Matters. This podcast is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation. And with today's episode, we're teaming with PRC. This podcast is dedicated to transforming the healthcare experience so that every person can receive and deliver the best care. Healthcare Experience Matters today. We are joined by Dr. Michael Smith, who has a really interesting and fun episode for us today. He's an internal medicine physician and academic hospitalist with the University of Nebraska Medical Center in Omaha. And Dr. Smith, I'm going to turn the floor over to you. Just introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your professional role now and a little bit about your patient care background. So I'm an academic hospitalist. I did my residency in chief here in New Orleans, and then my wife and I moved back to Omaha, where I continued to be an academic hospitalist. And so most of my job is working with medical students, interns, residents on a teaching team. I also do a surgical co-management team for the internal medicine team. So I have patients in various stages of of health and kind of interacting with them um, at the internal medicine team. It's kind of more their, uh, um, they're in a bad spot, whereas the surgical co-management, they're elective surgeries. And so they're kind of happy to be getting up and, and moving. And so very different uh, healthcare uh, patient experiences. All right. Well, Dr. Smith, let me know about improv because this is why I invited you on the show today. We want to talk about the use of improv improvisation um, when it comes to patient communication. So why did you want to take improv classes in the first place way back when? And then when did you realize these improv skills could actually help you as a hospitalist? Yeah. So I wouldn't say that I wanted to take improv classes. I wouldn't say that I didn't want to either, but it all started from my wife getting it as a Christmas gift for me. We had moved back to Omaha in 2014 and I just I torn my ACL earlier in the year. And so I was not, uh, I was kind of down and out because my injury and that Christmas, she got me improv lessons and it's not something I said I've always wanted to do or a deep seated passion that I just never did. She just kind of tapped into me potentially exploring it as an option. And so I took the classes they're fun. It was a nice way to get out of the house once once a week. And I went to a conference and ran into one of my mentors. And I told him that I was doing improv classes. And he's like, oh, I'm sure that helps you as an academic hospitalist. And I was like, yeah, uh, but I had no idea what he was talking about. And so we talked about it more. And he kind of made clear, oh, yeah, I am doing all those things to help me in my job connecting with patients. And then as I continued on the classes, I I noticed that we'd have a week off and I would come back to class and it would feel like I forgot everything that I'd ever learned about how to perform improv. And so I tried doing versions of the exercises that we do in improv class with my patients and then also with my academic team. The example that I always give is in improv class, we always do three line openers. So two people get on stage without knowing anything that's going on. And one person says line, the other person says line, and then this person says the third line. And within those three lines, you need to figure out the who, what, when, where, and why 
uh, without knowing anything. And so that's clarification right at the top of the conversation with my patients. Really, uh, it it actually affected my patient uh, satisfaction scores. My HCAPs were the most improved <laughs> of anyone in my group during that time as I was practicing that. And so the and it, it made sense once I started doing it, like, yeah, these patients in the hospital meet hundreds of people and they don't know who's doing what, who's coming or going. And so just that act of clarifying our relationship at the very beginning in a way that was not necessarily imposing on them. It was a way that they could share and we could build the reality together. Uh, I think it led to easier connections with my patients. Um, and so since then, I've started doing other improv exercises uh, with my team of learners to practice a lot of these skills as well that always had rave reviews. And in what ways does improv training foster adaptability in healthcare professionals, especially considering that constantly changing environment they work in? The practice of improv is no one knows what's going on, but someone has to get out there. And so you may have an idea of what you want, what the scene's going to be about, what is going on. And you need to have that idea, but it may change very rapidly. And if you stick with that original idea in your head, rather than responding to what's actually happening, the scene will fall flat and it will be very unfunny. And there'll be a whole crowd of people looking at you like, what did you, why did you do that? But if you accept the situation as it is and contribute how you can, that's when the humor comes. A lot of times people think, uh, I can't do improv because I'm not creative enough or I'm not funny enough. And that's actually one of the first things we teach in improv classes. You don't have to be funny. You shouldn't try to be funny. You should just come out and try to say yes to what's happening on stage and make that connection with your scene partner. Uh, because when you make that connection, the audience sees that connection. And that's where the humor comes from, is those honest connections on stage. And so it's not really about being creative or funny. It's about truly saying, what is the situation in front of me? How can I connect to it? And how can I add to that situation? Which at work is happens all the time. Like this may not be the, the exact situation I want, but how do I accept what it is and add my contribution with my team, build a reality together and start forming those connections? The I often say the same skills that create laughter on an improv stage create connection and meaning at my job. And so knowing that I'm always searching for those connections uh, makes being adaptable much, much easier. That is super interesting. I love that. And it, it makes so much sense. It's like, don't try to be funny. Just be honest and make authentic connections. There's so much overlap right there with um, the patient experience. So could you explain how improv training helps healthcare professionals understand and interpret body language effectively? Yeah. So when we step out on stage, as I've said, we have no idea what's we have some idea, but you don't know what's coming. And so when I'm on stage, I'm paying attention to every input I can can grasp onto to again make that connection. And so I'm also I'm paying attention to my scene partner's body language, 
and I'm also trying to communicate my own ideas with my own body language. And so just an awareness of what I'm saying with my body language and does my scene partner pick up on it? Uh, is it the message that I'm intending? I think improv has helped me be very aware of how I communicate with my body and then also recognizing what is my scene partner trying to communicate with their body language. Uh, and the again, the stakes of improv feel very high stakes. Like if people are watching, this feels very um, pressure packed. But ultimately, if I don't get it, it's it's totally fine. But I get that that practice in the high stakes situation of paying attention to body language and making sure I can connect using body language and understanding body language. And so improv just provides the venue for rapid practice of those skills. And what about empathy? Because I know that topic comes up a lot on our podcast. Does practicing improv help at all with practicing and developing empathy? That is probably the most, the area of biggest improvement for me since practicing improv is developing empathy. And part of that is just you're running through all sorts of different stories on the improv stage. So in an improv practice or rehearsal, you're kind of entering into several different stories and then moving on and committing to the next story and entering worlds where you may not understand and you have to try to understand and form that connection before you start putting your your mark on it. And so the just the idea of I can go into a patient's room, I have a perspective, but an acknowledgement that I don't know everything that's going on. And my job is to try to understand and connect first before I give them the treatment plan. So really try to understand the patient or even my colleagues try to understand their perspective um, before I say, this is what we need to do. Um, and so practicing that on the improv stage has helped me practice that at work. And you can see the benefit from it. Now, listening. And especially active listening, of course, an important skill for really any professional or person, but especially so more so in, in healthcare. So how does improv provide a platform for practicing the art of being a better listener? When you again, when you step out on stage, you need to pay attention to everything that your scene partner is saying so you can form that connection. And so you're listening to what they're saying and what they're communicating. More importantly, you're showing them that you're listening and understanding what they're saying. And so in my response, I need to demonstrate to them that I heard them. So they're not going to repeat the process or think we're going in a different direction. It's absolutely essential that I listen to them and they know I listen to them. And so that there's that communication. The I run workshops for um, healthcare professionals. And one of the ones that I originally did was improv helps me with listening. And so I was reading about how to listen, how to actively listen. And the list of things not to do were all the things that I did with my wife. And so I actually went and apologized to her the night before that workshop. Like, I am a terrible listener in my real life. And all of those examples, like uh, telling people not to worry about something or uh telling a story about me, 
those are all just different ways of saying no to their reality. And so the skills of active listening are essentially the same thing as saying yes and, which is the big rule in improv, saying yes to the reality and then adding your own contribution to the reality rather than just talking about whatever reality you want to talk about. And so listening and empathy, I think, are the two biggest areas where I've improved because of the practice of improv. It's helped me in other areas, but those have the starkest um, difference from where I was to where I am now. I love it. And yes, and is something that you hear a lot if you know about improv. With the little that I do know about improv, I know that yes, and is it's like a great um, tool because it's easy to remember. And maybe if there's anything that people can take away from this conversation, it's look more towards the yes, and and try to keep that in your head. Um, let's talk about the impact that improv, um, just practicing improv, uh, training in improv, how can that actually help with preventing burnout and then helping healthcare workers find some more enjoyment in their daily work? Particularly going through the pandemic and the uncertainty of all that, the improv mindset has been what has saved me. The When you do an improv scene, you're trying to find what's funny or what's what's fun about what's going on in the scene and you may not know it. And so you're searching for that connection to have fun. And then within the greater show, like we perform a whole 20 to 40 minute show, you're listening for those things that are fun or what's what's enjoyable, what's causing joy, and then you're heightening it. And so that's it's the same thing in my job there. I don't necessarily love every aspect of my job, but what are the parts that I find meaning in that I find connection in and how do I heighten that? How do I make sure I get that to be a part of my day? Uh, when I was in residency, they uh, my program director said burnout is not too much work. It's too little meaning in the work that I do. And so the practice of improv, of finding that connection on stage is just a scaled down version of how do I find meaning in my activity in every interaction? And then in the grand scale of things, what are my the parts of my job that help create meaning and how do I make sure I uh, nurture those and make sure there's time for those? Because the I tell my residents that I work with that I have days where I'm here for 14 hours that's long and I leave just excited that I get to be a doctor, that I'm a part of all of this and get to play a part in other people's lives. Uh, I also have days where um, I'm here for four or five hours, not that long, but it doesn't really feel as fulfilling. And so just being aware of that and understanding how do I find meaning in my my job? Is it making connections with patients? Is it helping colleagues navigate um, a complex healthcare system? Is it teaching? And so those those are all examples for me that I find meaningful. And so if I know that I'm going to have a tough day, I need to make sure that I get one of those things in uh, in my day to help avoid burnout feelings before they kind of take off on their own. Let's talk about building courage in healthcare providers. Can practicing improv, I know you personally probably stepped out of your comfort zone when you were originally training improv. Um, But does improv actually have a hand in nurturing some courage in healthcare professionals? Yeah, absolutely. Our improv performances are done with a team. And so 
it's more of a trust situation. So I I trust my teammates that if I step out on stage, they're not going to leave me hanging or not um, let me flounder. They'll come to my aid. And similarly, I will do the same for them. And so even if I don't know what's going on, I am going to step out there and be what be as much as I can to help my teammates. And so it doesn't matter if there's fear or uncertainty because everyone's experiencing that I'm going to go out there and support my teammates. Um, and so just always looking to be the one to help, uh, the scene move, move along or be better. Um, as a collective group, uh, I think that takes some amount of courage. It's not that I don't have fear that I'll look stupid. It's I'm ignoring that fear and just doing it anyway, because that's what needs to be done uh, for the whole thing to work. And so it's, I think I try to take a similar approach at, at work that if something needs to be done, I trust that I'm going to try to try to do that. And then hopefully encourage the students, residents that I work with, that that is actually the best approach that even if it's hard, it's going to carry meaning and it's going to mean that what you do, the work that you uh, do is important and you're valued if you take that approach that I'm going to do whatever it takes to kind of stay stay on the mission. A lot of what you're talking about is teamwork oriented. Uh, obviously, great patient care is all about teamwork. So is there anything else you wanted to say about bridging that gap between the improv training and actually being a better uh, teammate uh, in the healthcare setting? Yeah. And so I talk a lot about the characteristics of great teams and to be a great improv team, you have to have all of those. And so when we practice as an improv team. It is again practicing the skills of uh, functioning well as a team, and we get the reward of the laughter and enjoying ourselves and the joy that comes with that. And so, there's definitely a carrot to some amount of sacrifice to the team mission. And then within that team mission, each one of us is tasked with being the best individual that we can can be to help make the team the best. And so it's a great balance of respecting individuals and pushing individuals to be the best that they can, and also teams being the best that they can uh, within that same framework. And so it, within an improv team, I may be good at one part of the improv show. My other teammates may be better at other parts of the show, but we're all asked to be the best that we can be um, for the sake of the show. And so it's, I, again, I tell the same thing to the teams that I, I lead that I'm going to do everything I can for us to achieve um, the best patient care that we can, the best learning experience for, for you. And it doesn't matter what it is, but that's the goal. And I'm going to push towards that. And that's what's required of me to be the best physician I can be. That's also required of you to be the best physician that you can be. And then also within uh, the floor, the physical therapist, the occupational therapist, the nurses, uh, I'm required to put them in positions to be the best that they can be um, to help the patient. And hopefully they're doing the same for me. Um, and so all of us are are pushing 
but it's within a team concept. And as we work towards wrapping up here, I do have a question about people that might consider themselves introverts. Um, does improv training benefit people that are like self-described introverts? Yeah. So many of my friends at the improv theater I perform at would describe as introverts. And again, the skills of improv are not geared towards turning introverts into extroverts or anything that you are not already. It's meant to help your communication and your ability to connect with people uh, and to help it be what you want it to be. And so introverts uh, would have no problem with improv because, again, the the idea that I'm not creative enough or I'm not funny enough uh, is a common thing I hear. But just the reassurance that you just go out on stage and make that one connection and say yes and to what's right in front of you um, is something that an introvert or an extrovert could do. And eventually you kind of lose sight of people watching. Uh, and so it's uh, it's a very, say, good hobby for an introvert or an extrovert. Dr. Michael Smith has been our guest healthcareimprov.com is the website. You can go there, of course, to learn more. Dr. Smith is an internal medicine physician and academic hospitalist with the University of Nebraska Medical Center there in Omaha. I've really enjoyed this discussion. I've been hanging on your every word. I, I have more questions I could probably ask you, but I will pause here and give you the final word. Um, is there anything else you wanted to mention on this uh, episode, improv, healthcare, anything of that nature before we wrap it up here? Just uh, encourage people to say yes and. You said that that was the one thing you know about improv. And I think that's, if people walk away with, uh, calling to say yes and I would say that that's um, a good thing and there are plenty of options to take improv classes and uh, check local theaters um, it's it's a great hobby it's made my life uh, way better and way way more joy um, so I encourage people to say yes and to other people and also themselves Thank you for listening to today's episode of Healthcare Experience Matters. Healthcare Experience Matters is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation with today's episode teaming with PRC. To learn more, visit healthcareexperience.org. That's healthcareexperience.org.